The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Hapsent Minded. My name is Jared Book. And we are getting into, finally, and, and I say this with, with love, finally some quiet time in this offseason. It, it's, it's been really hectic between the Stanley Cup final run, between the expansion draft, the draft, and free agency. It's been it's been a, a lot of work at, at Eyes on the Prize. Not that we mind too much, but it is nice to have some semblance of of summer break right now. And and joining me today is is Matt Drake. Matt, how are you doing? Great. Uh, I agree with you, man. Uh, it's kind of nice to have a, a little bit of a break, although it's not going to last too long. Uh, but yeah, after all the hectic season, you know, the condensed schedule, it's nice to not have to write articles, you know, once a day, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But but then you realize that it's literally August and camp, camp opens in September. So yeah. it's just like, oh, it's already August. That's great. But no, not, not like I said, not that we're complaining, but it is nice to have a little bit of a breather because it hasn't just been, you know, back-to-back articles and, and, and things going on, but obviously everything else going on uh, with the coaching staff, with the Rocket, with uh, obviously their first-round draft pick. It, it's been, it's been a, a lot for for everybody at Heisman, for everybody yeah. really you know involved the canadians whether you're a fan whether you're uh you know you know writing like us or podcasting like us or or covering the team like 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 other people it, it's a lot it's a lot going on you know it's nice to have a little bit of like okay i i nothing should happen today kind of yeah. thing, right like uh it's I, you know i've been i've been carrying around my tablet with me for the last basically two weeks <laughs> not knowing when when I'll need to break it out uh, and I need to type something up and 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 literally today the the goaltending coach was hired Eric Raymond and uh, I did it uh, did that article from the front seat of my car while my my, my wife was was getting lunch <laughs> so outside of the pharmacy fun, fun times so uh yeah it's, it's it's nice to get a break but we do have a lot uh, a lot of stuff to talk about and especially with with free agency Montreal did a lot of things and, and, and Matt, I guess we'll start there. What are your just thoughts on you know, everything that happened? David Savard, Matthew Perot, Cedric Paquette, uh, Mike, Mike Hoffman, obviously, is, is probably the biggest name uh, involved there as well. And, and you know, Philip Deneau uh, leaving, leaving the organization as well. So, so what are your overall thoughts of what Mark Bergevin did uh, in the first three days of a free agency? Well, you know, I think they, they got better in some ways, but overall they're not better than they were last year. So like all the moves they made were great, especially when you look at uh, David Savard, his contract compared to what other defensemen were getting on the market this year, defensemen were coming at a premium, 
You had multiple guys, obviously bigger names than Savard, getting you know over nine million dollars uh, AAV. So to to get him in at the number that they got him at, I said before that when they were linked to him that if they got him and an AAV starting with the number three, I'd be happy. So they got him at three and a half. That's perfect, especially you know in contrast with some of the other deals that were going out there. It's a good deal, but. Again, Shea Weber is gone and might be done for the rest of his career. So is Savard enough to replace Shea Weber? I'm, I'm not really sure about that. I, I don't think so. And I think most people would probably agree that, that he's not going to be enough to replace him. But that being said, great price on him. Uh, Mathieu Perrault, he stands out as a perfect replacement for Corey Perry. I think he was their backup plan. It's almost seemed yeah. like he was their backup to Corey Perry. And then, but when you look at the numbers, like statistically, he looks like he's probably better than Corey Perry in a lot of aspects of the game. So uh, great move, super cheap. Um, you look at Paquette, I think he's there to be depth, uh, but they also got him super cheap. So you can't really complain about it whatsoever. Even if he was horrible, you know, the price that they're paying to get him is, is nothing. So it's completely negligible. And Mike Hoffman, I love that move. I absolutely love that move. Um, reasonable cost, really reasonable term for somebody of his age. You'd think he would try to be getting a little bit more term on his deal so that he could basically have, you know, the last deal of his career going on there. But no, really reasonable money, really reasonable term. And this is a guy that can certainly help them a lot on the power play, which they need, right? If they get a, a power play unit, one unit can be centered around, you know, Cole Caulfield and his shot. And the next unit can be centered around Mike Hoffman and his shot. Uh, they're they're going to be a lot less one-dimensional than they have been as a result of having him on the team. So overall, I, I think Bergevin did great, but it's not enough to put them in a better position than they were last year. Yeah, I, I think that that's the sticking point. Is that There's nothing bad that he did. I, I don't even mind that he didn't pay Philip Deneau or, or sign him for six years. I, I think that that was a defensible move as well. And it just feels like everything that they did would be great if they were building on the team that they already had in place last year. But the issue here is they aren't doing that because they lost Philip Deneau. They, they are probably going to lose Shea Weber, if not for, for next year, unless they're, they're playing some, you know, 4D mind games and, you know, trying to basically Kucherov Weber. You know, I think the expectation is that he's going to be out. So in a terms like that, you have to replace these guys. And I, I like, like you said, I don't think that they got better, but I also don't think that they're done <laughs> because if you look at it right now, they have nine NHL wingers as we stand, not even counting guys like Jesse Ulanen or, uh, you know, Raphael Harvey Pernard, Joel Teasdale, guys like that who can maybe take the next step. I'm not even counting guys like that. And they have nine wingers. Yol Armia, who they re-signed, uh, Mike Hoffman, Paul Byron, Artie Lekkinen, who I expect them to re-sign. He's a restricted free agent. Brendan Gallagher, Josh Anderson, Tyler Toffoli, Perot, and their supposedly returning Jonathan Jouin is, is there. And I might have even missed somebody. I'm not even sure if I got everybody. I think pretty sure I got everybody there. That uh, Cole Caulfield. I didn't even mention Cole Caulfield. So that's 10. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I forgot Cole Caulfield. So that's 10. I'm looking at a second list here. Yeah. So basically that's 10 wingers and you don't have to have five lines going into the regular season. So I do think that something's got to give there. Like I, and we'll, we'll get into what I think that is in a bit, but I just feel like they're stocking up on, on complimentary pieces right now. And I think that that's a good step. They didn't overpay anybody 
which is remarkable. Like Cedric Paquette under a million dollars, Matthew Perot under a million dollars. Like those are key things. Like I was scared they were going to give uh, Paquette a, a contract that they would like make him the de facto number three center where yeah. we, they're going to give him like term and like over a million dollars. They didn't do that. So I think that they understand what his role is. Even uh, Chris Weidman, same thing. I was scared they were going to give him a, a contract that would be, you know, okay, you're going to be in our top four now. Good luck. But even that they didn't overpay him, you know, less than, you know, basically close to league minimum for, for Weidman. Savard is, is a, the contract he got is basically what exactly what they gave Ben Chirot, exactly what they gave Joel Edmondson, different players, but not someone that you're going to have to necessarily worry too much if he's on your third pair, essentially, right? Like if they do get somebody to play between Petrie and Savard on that second pair on the right side, you're not too heartbroken by having a, you know, $3.5 million cap it on that third pair, especially given how much trouble they had filling that spot all year last year. Right, they yeah. didn't have anybody on that right side. They tried Romanov, they tried John Merrill, they tried, uh, you know, Kulak at a certain point. Like they, they tried a bunch of guys there. So Savard, at the worst, you know, even if they get a, another top four defenseman, at worst he fills out that hole that they had all last year. You know, Hoffman, you mentioned, gives them a little bit more scoring. They could probably go right now with like four scoring lines. They don't really need to have a shutdown line, especially with Dano no longer here you don't have really that defensive minded center except for a guy like you say like jake evans and so you know you can give him basically you know armia and lekanen if you wanted to and then you know go to the other lines you kind of say okay we'll try and outscore you which is a little bit of a shift from where they've been in the last few years but you don't get mike hoffman to play defense so in a way they're kind of tilting their hand a little bit and it'll be it will be nice to see you know, if they give Jesperi Kutkiniemi an offensive role, if they give Brendan Gallagher an offensive role, because he's been in, he's been great in that role with Thomas Tatar and Philip Deneau, but maybe he gets a little bit more chances offensively this year. So it'll be interesting to see what will happen going forward. I, obviously, I think Nick Suzuki is the de facto number one center right now. He's going to get, mm-hmm. you know, number one power play. He's going to get, you know, if it's if not Hoffman and Caulfield or Toffoli and Caulfield, he's going to get some, some scoring wingers with them, Drouin, obviously, in that conversation. Maybe even Gallagher, if they want to kind of make Suzuki that kind of the no light kind of thing and, and maybe give him uh, Lekkanen and, and Gallagher or something like that. It, there's lots of options. And and I think that, you know, after being plug and play for the last year, you know, half a year under Dominic Ducharme or three quarters of a year, and then what Claude Julien did is that they were basically working around what they already had in place. And I feel like this year is as a reset where they don't have to put guys together and they have those duos that they worked with. But I think that now you can kind of, you know, erase the, the whiteboard and start fresh and look at the pieces you have. And, and I'm, I'm excited yeah. for that because I think that that is something that will be uh, refreshing and, and maybe even better than what they had, because I feel like a lot of what Dominic Ducharme did down the stretch is not want to screw up anything. And yes, he was looking mm. for chemistry and looking for things and injuries and the roster situation kind of forced his hand a little bit. But I feel like he didn't want to screw anything up, especially as the postseason run kept going. And now you add Hoffman to that, you add Perot to that, and you're taking away pieces as well, obviously. Like, it's not like they're just net additions, but they're, they're different players than what he had in place. So it'll be interesting for sure. And like I said, 
I do think that they're gearing up for something. And it, what I think that that might be, and obviously the obvious name out there is, is Jack Eichel. And with everything that's gone on in the last week around the NHL, not just in Montreal, I feel like Montreal might be best positioned to give Buffalo what they want with this. And Mark Bridgman is in building capital in prospects, uh, in, in young players for the last few years. And I think that he's at a point now, you look at his NHL depth on wing, that's a good example of that, where he's at a point now where he's like, okay, now I can try and put some pieces together to, to upgrade. And I think that that's what this roster, as we stand on July 30th, is screaming out for, is just an upgrade somewhere. And I think Jack Eichel would be that 1A to Suzuki's 1B and really give this team uh, a, a look that they need uh, compared to where, where they were you know, before. And what will that cost? Probably Esperi Kotkaniemi. Well, definitely Esperi Kotkaniemi if they trade for Eichel. Probably, They'll probably ask for Suzuki, but yeah. you know, you're, not, you're not getting him. <laughs> no, so no, they're not, they're not the getting that. One. They're not getting Suzuki. Yeah, that's a non-starter. They're not getting Caulfield. That's a non-starter. But I think you're going to start with Kotkaniemi just because, not because this isn't me calling him out. I just think that where this team is right now, they can't afford to go through his growing pains. They need him to be a second line center at worst. And he might, he's, I, I feel he's going to be there, but he is only 21. Can they afford to wait those two, three years with an aging Carey Price, aging Jeff Petrie, aging veteran Gallagher, all these guys on this team, they're not built to, to wait. And I think that that's where, that's where trading these guys is an advantage. And Jack Eichel is not an older player. He's just more ready for the role that they need a, a fill-in in right now. You know, you're looking at replacing Philip Deneau. Nick Suzuki can take some of those minutes. I'm not sure that Jesperi Kanyemi can. And, and Jake Evans can take some of those minutes. But again, I don't think I, there's a gap there. Because if you expect Suzuki to replace some of Deneau's minutes, and you're expecting Jake Evans to replace some of those Dano's minutes, then you have to replace what Nick Suzuki gave you last year, right? Like, it's not like Nick Suzuki is going to play his role and Philip Dano's role. He's only still playing like 18 minutes a game, right? So th there's there's definitely some, some, some leeway there. And, and this team does need to make a step if they're looking at not, you know, being an outsider in the playoffs in 2021-22. Yeah, because they they could end up fighting for um, fighting for a wild card spot. Essentially, if you look yeah. at down the down the middle, is obviously one of the bigger weaknesses. Like we can talk about the D, obviously, and say it's a bit of a weakness. But like you said, the way that they've replaced uh, Weber is essentially by committee, right? And if they can, you know, come up with some effective D pairings, and like you said, fill that gap in the middle that they had all last year, the D is probably fine. But down the middle, they're a little bit weak, right? You have Zuki, um, presumably KK as your second center. And then you have uh, who Mathieu Perrault is going to be the third line center, maybe. And then Jake Evans as the fourth or flip that. Paquette it's, it seems in there as well. Paquette's in there as well. But, you know, if it's me, I'd prefer to see Perrault out there. I know he's played center before, but that center anyways, even if it's Perrault, Paquette, whatever, it's not, it's not great, right? It kind of forces, like you said, Suzuki to play more of a defensive role. And if the playoffs last year, any indication, 
they need him in an offensive role, especially if Cole Caulfield's going to be on his wing, right? That has to be your, your bankable line to generate some offense. So you want to try to avoid forcing him to a position where he has to eat up too many of Philippe Deneau's minutes. Um, so, yeah, I think Eichel is, you know, the cure to all of their pains right now in the middle. It's going to cost probably a lot, but they have to do that. I mean, can you imagine, like, I was talking to one of my buddies about it, and I said, you know, if they went out and got Eichel, your top line, right? Suzuki could go down to your second line at that point. So your second line will be Toffoli, Suzuki, and Caulfield, which we already know that works. We've seen it in the playoffs. We know it works and they barely had any time together and it works, right? You could even plug Anderson in there and that worked too against Vegas. And it worked a little bit against Tampa. But if you had your top line at that point, it could hypothetically be Jack Eichel with Brennan Gallagher and I don't know, Mike Hoffman. That would be a ridiculous line. And that could also be a trio that you could use consistently wherever you want. You could use them on, uh, on the power play as well. And they would be just as effective, especially with that shot from Hoffman and that net presence from Gallagher. And then everything that Eichel is able to do, I mean, it would make them a legitimate threat to challenge for maybe even the division, Never mind fighting for a wild card. They might be challenging for the division win at the end of the season so i think they're probably going to go all in on this the question is how much is it going to cost and is bergevin going to be willing to pay it yeah and and, and sorry just before we just found out as as we were talking that that paul byron's out for five months so that takes your 10 wingers down to nine Oof. so so yeah he, he underwent hip surgery so that is it's a double-edged sword again right it's like shea weber because now you expect him to be out so you can use LTIR for his salary. Uh, but at the same time, you can't trade him. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I, yeah. I, it, that, that just makes things, it, it, it explains Mike Hoffman, I think a little bit. Um, I, I think that that's part of it. I think it also expe- expects, you know, explains Yol Armia and, and paying him with term. And obviously they're not like for like players and, you know, younger uh, as well, but, you know, I, I do think that's a, definite reason for that but yeah i think that you know when you have jack eichels is that you can basically have an offensive line you don't have to worry about shutting teams down with that line you just attack them and it's a shift from where montreal was a few years ago but they never had somebody like a nick suzuki who can play offensively or cole caulfield or a jack eichel if they end up getting him or somebody like him and and something that interests me about that the trade is that you know, you look at teams that are said to be interested and Vegas is one of them. They just traded Cody Glass for Nolan Patrick. They have Peyton Krebs, but they don't really have the, the prospect depth that they necessarily would have a few weeks ago. So it, it you know, I, I think that, you know, even a team like Los Angeles, right? They get Philip Deneau. I, I don't think that they're in a position to trade prospects for, for Jack Eichel. So I, I feel like, it's kind of coming back to Montreal a little bit as well, which, which makes things a little bit interesting as well, but I'm not saying that they will. Uh, but I do think that there is something that is going to be done between now and the season. What that is, I'm not necessarily sure, but until Jack Eichel is traded to somewhere else, I think that Montreal has to be interested in that and are interested in that because, you know, you had Mark Bergevin even before free agency in the draft saying, yeah, I want to spend to the summer cap because I'm spending Weber's money. Mm-hmm. So they're not even close to that. They're, they're basically at the regular cap now, including Weber. You know, they still have to sign Kukin Yemi. They still have to sign Lekkanen. So it's not like it's, there's, there's nothing there, but 
yeah, I, I definitely think that there's something to give. And, and Paul Byron being out five months is definitely part of that. So that would explain a, a portion of that for sure. Uh, yeah. And it does make things a little bit more complicated. But Byron's a guy that, like, even if he was healthy, you're probably not getting too much for him in terms of a trade because he was on yeah. waivers several times last year and nobody yeah. picked him up, right? He'd be, he'd so be a salary, he'd be a salary dump, yeah, or, or a contract or, or basically something like that, yeah. Salary dump or a contract in order to absorb whatever's coming the other way, which Eichel is a big one, right? Um, but like you said, you know, right now we're still counting Weber's salary. They haven't even LTIR'd him yet. Uh, he hasn't retired yet. Whatever it's going to be, you know, that hasn't happened. So technically, he still counts. So they still have a ton of space to go out and make that move. Um, I honestly think that if you look specifically at all the deals that Benjamin signed on the free agency day, you look how he kept costs down on everybody, right? I would have liked to see him go after, you know, a Dougie Hamilton on the back end. That would have been nice. But you look at how much money he got, and I think that's what gave him pause because I think, like you said, I think they're very interested in Jack Eichel, and I think that they're still trying to work that out. So I think that's why he didn't go after any of those big guys. That's why we didn't hear him getting linked to Dougie Hamilton or anything because Carolina lowballed Dougie Hamilton big time compared to what he was going to be able to get on the free market. And the Habs could have paid that the same deal that he got. The Habs could have easily done that, but they didn't. And I don't think it's because they didn't have their eye on him. I think it's because they had their eye on somebody else. And I think that somebody else was Jack Eichel. So they're trying to keep their flexibility there so they can make that trade. Because I think that they think, you know, either one, they, they are trying to pull that Kucherov with Weber. Or two, they think that the D that they have now with Savard coming in is going to be enough for them. I don't know if that second one is, is really true. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if the first one is because all indications seem to point that Shea Weber might be done for the rest of his career. But um, I, I really think that he kept his costs down overall with all those moves specifically because he's not really interested in going after more D I think he wants that big number one center and, you know, Jack Eichel is the one guy that's rumored to be available and Buffalo saying that, you know, I, their, their general manager, Kevin Adams came out and he said something of, well, we have lots of players under contract that do want to play for us. And we have some other guys that are just under contract or I forget exactly how he worded it, but he was clearly talking about Jack Eichel and saying, yeah, he doesn't want to be here, but he's got a contract. So tough luck. And it's like, well, you can say that, but that's not going to change the negotiating position that you're in. Right. When other teams are negotiating with you, they're still going to be like, well, this guy doesn't want to play for you. And if he just decides not to play for you, then there's not too much that you can really do about it. Right. They, have to trade. I don't see with everything that's happened there that Jack Eichel is ever going to play another game in Buffalo. I'd be shocked if he did. So the longer this drags out, maybe the better it is for Montreal. Maybe that price comes down just a tad, you know, maybe instead of Kakanyemi and two picks and two prospects, it turns into Kakanyemi and one pick and one prospect. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. It's not, it's not going to be cheap anyways, but maybe it comes down just a little bit. Yeah, it also is how much Bergman is willing to risk, right? Because we don't know what Jack Eichel's medical records are. Obviously, that's a question mark. And, and this is a team that's already had, uh, you know, what it's clear, you know, what has been the, the situation in, in terms of, you know, Montreal has a bunch of injuries. You have Kerry Price, who just had surgery, Paul Byron, who just had surgery, Shea Weber, who may not play again. It's clear there's a little bit of a, you know, maybe concerned that they're going to trade for somebody who is going to be, you know, damaged goods because you don't want to trade what you're going to have to trade for him. If there's a question medically. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. obviously they're going to look into that and, and things like that as well. And they have more intelligence on that than we do. So, you know, we're just 
we can't really look at it just like Seattle and Carey Price before the expansion draft. We don't know what the, the real story is. So there all there is all of that um, question as well. But I, I do think that something is coming because I do think they want to add an actual center. You know, Matthew Perot has played center in the past, but he only took like you know less than twenty faceoffs. I think all of last year for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. So so I, I think that there is they have people who can play center. But I think that that's not the way they want to go into the season. And Mark Bush has said as much. He's like, ideally, I would want to, you know, surround these guys better, but I'm comfortable doing so if I can't. So he, he left the door open for uh, not pe- being disappointed that things don't happen the way that they are going to happen. But I do think that the idea is to add a center somewhere to kind of make things better. Whether that's trading cut Canadian, I don't think that that's necessarily what they want to do. But if you can get a guy like Eichel, I think that that's the door is open for that. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if there's anybody else like that on the trade market right now. Um, I can't think of anybody that's been rumored recently, or certainly that's been linked to Montreal and rumored to be available recently. Because the only other way that you're really replacing like what Daniel does is if you have some kind of mirror coming up from the from the miners, right? Yeah. And I don't think they have anybody that's necessarily ready to make that jump. Um, people I think, are going to say Ryan Paling. Ryan Paling is not ready to take people, those minutes. <laughs> yeah, people are going to say Ryan Paling. You've watched you watched more Rocket games than I did last year, and even me, I think I watched maybe ten Rocket games. And yeah, I would say no. There's no way he's not ready. And that's fine. Um, he doesn't have to be ready right now. Like, it, it, like just like us saying Nick Suzuki or, or Jesper Kudkemi are not ready, or Jake, it's okay. They're not supposed to be ready yet. It's part of development. It's fine. Yeah. It's just this team is built to win right now, right? So they can't just put prospects in and be like, okay, you know, they can't do what Buffalo has done or teams like that, where it's like, okay, if our prospects do great, great. If they don't, then, oh, well, big deal, right? They're not in that that part yeah. of the development cycle. Uh, you know, they are in some cases, but not in others, right? And obviously the urgency with Weber has kind of gone away, but they still have Carey Price back there, who's not going to be there forever. So, yeah. uh, you know, there is still some urgency. They're, they're, listen, they are not going to go into next season expecting to miss the playoffs after making the Stanley Cup final. And, and that will taint everything if they miss the playoffs next year. So they, not that Mark Bergman is fighting for his job, because I, I don't know what his future entails. He still hasn't signed. If he was concerned about his job, he would have signed a contract extension, right? Like, there's no reason not to if he was intended, intent on on staying in the role, right? You know, obviously there has been stuff that has happened since then that Jeff Molson might want to back away from in terms of the draft uh, yeah. specifically, but let's face it. Everyone's getting contract extensions. If Bergman really wanted to, I'm sure Jeff Molson would give him one, right? Like I, I, I see, I don't think he's fighting for his job, but obviously if they miss the playoffs, I don't see him getting re-signed either. It's, like, it's, a, it's a weird situation. Yeah. There's no clarity here, and that's, that's no. weird. I mean, he was the finalist for the GM of the Year award, so yeah. for sure, if he wanted a contract extension, it would have been on the table right there and then at the end of the playoffs. They, they made, made the Stanley Cup final. You made the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> you, you can get an extension for sure, no problem. But you're, you're right. If he misses the playoffs the very next year, it's going to be like, well, all right, now it was a fluke, right? Yeah, it, nobody, it's nobody. it's exactly what Dallas did. Exactly what Dallas did, right? They made the final. Yeah. They missed the play- And obviously, they had a weird schedule, weird season, it, you know, but still, it's exactly what Dallas did this year. So, you know, it's it's the typical path of a surprise Stanley Cup final appearance, right? Oh, yeah, they were never that good in the first place. 
I, yeah. I think they want to avoid all of that, if at all possible. And, but that's the, that's how he avoids it. Then is he's got to take that risk and he's got to make exactly. that trade for Eichel. Yeah. It's like, all right, pay some picks, right? If you get Eichel, it, like who cares? Even if they ask you for two firsts, I would do the two firsts if that's the sticking point. If they're like, we want your next two firsts, I'd be like, cool, take them. We're not getting Shane right anyways. We're not going to finish last place <laughs> if we have Eichel on our team. So yeah. what's the point in hanging on to those firsts so that we can do what? So that we can take another flyer on some guys late in the first round. You know, he, you got in trouble doing that a couple of weeks ago, not even a couple of weeks ago. You got in trouble doing that just very recently by taking a flyer on somebody that nobody else was taking in the first round. And again, like you can get good talent at the in the late first round, but your picks are going to be late if you have Eichel. So whatever, throw the picks. Uh, Yemi sucks to lose him, but it's not like you're getting a 35 year old Jack Eichel back. That's right. only going to be good for you for the next couple of years. Right. You're getting a 24 year old center that is in the, like, you know, he's in the early parts of his prime. He's going to be very valuable to you for quite a long time. If you keep on to him past the end of the current contract as well. So what's the, the, the risk you're taking is maybe his health, but looking at his history, like he, plays it's not like he misses tons of game in his career he's played in uh 81 games 61 games 67 games 77 games and then 68 games in 1920 but that was coronavirus shortened and 2021 he only played in 21 games obviously the injury problems have been recent than anything for him and according to everything that we know it seems buffalo has been preventing him from getting surgery where if montreal doesn't do that if allow you know to get the proper care that he needs and he gets the right surgeries and he gets the right recovery which he can obviously get with uh, a as big of a corporate machine as the canadians are he's going to be fine and then he's going to be super valuable for you for many many years and again those first picks they're, they're not going to be worth that much because they're going to be late yeah. And the whole thing is like, oh, you don't want to trade cut Kenyam. You don't want to trade first round. Listen, you have these picks to get somebody like Jack Eichel. The ideal yeah. thing is that cut Kenyam becomes Jack Eichel. So why not trade instead of, you know, waiting three, four years for that to maybe happen, just trade him for Jack Eichel, right? Like, yeah. all, like, you know, there's a risk involved in this. Yes. But, you know, the whole point is to line up your development properly, right? And the Canadians are in a spot right now where, they, they are built. They don't want to necessarily sacrifice the future, but they ha- they don't. They're not sacrificing the future. They have Nick Suzuki, they have Jake Evans, they have Ryan Paling, they have guys who can play those positions, and and be okay with that, right? Like it, it's it's they're not trading all of their prospects, all of their picks, for somebody who's like like you said, 34, 35 years old. You know, Jack Eichel was drafted in the same draft as as Connor McDavid. Right. Like it's not like there's that much difference there. He's a few months older than Austin Matthews. Like those guys are young stars in this league. And Jack Ackle has kind of been forgotten, maybe part of partly because of Buffalo, partly because of the injuries, partly because he's not Connor McDavid, but he's still a, a very talented player and exactly what this team needs. So I, yeah, if, unless Buffalo just doesn't want to trade him in the division, which is uh, understandable as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the whole thing is that, um, yeah, it, it's just, for me, it, it makes all the sense in the world. They have the roster pieces. If they want to add a, uh, a defenseman, if they want to add a winger, they, they have the pieces now where they can put these people in a trade and offset some of the salary, offset the contracts, things like that. You know, if you want to trade a guy like, you know, even the guy like Alexander Romanov, who would probably be the top 
prospect that Buffalo is looking at. You have a guy like Caden Gooley. You have Jordan Harris. You have Jaden Struble, Matthias Norlander. You have guys in the pipeline. Like you can trade one of them away to make sure you get a sure thing because none of those guys are sure things anyway. So you know you can't necessarily trade all of them, but you can package guys up. You you have the you have the you have the ability to do that now, right? You have the capital. You have the picks. You have the, the prospects. It's it's all about you know taking making your organization better. And I, I think that a, a, num, a true number one center or, or a true top six center is something that's missing right now and, and something that they can use. And they have the pieces to try and make that happen. And, and you know, yeah. listen, Kutkemi is going to be attractive to Buffalo. They get a, a ready-made NHL player, 21 years old, who has three years experience in the league, right? Like not many teams can give that to you in a trade. You know, unless, unless you know, Anaheim gives you Trevor Zegras, and I doubt they do that. Or no. <laughs> if, if 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 Vegas gives you a guy like Peyton Krebs, as as high as those guys are are regarded, they're not guys you can pencil in right away, you know, to give you 15 minutes in the NHL. And and Buffalo is in a position to kind of give Kotkaniemi some offensive minutes, top power play minutes. Be like, go out there, have fun. Montreal is not in a position to do that. And, and again, that's not a knock on Kotkin. I mean, if he does end up as the team's number two center going into the season, they'll have to deal with those growing pains. It's a reality. But I, I think that if there's a chance to maybe package him into a, a guy who can take those minutes right away, you, you have to look at that seriously. You just have to. Yeah. Zero choice in the matter. I, they they kind of have to do it. I mean, we'll see, though. Yeah. At the end of the day, um, you make a good point there about uh, – packaging some of your assets that you have because now you have the assets right especially when it comes to picks and especially when it comes to prospects on d which we know buffalo is probably going to ask about right uh the picks it drives me nuts if he's thinking about holding on to those picks because every single year in the draft we see him punting picks into the next draft anyways it happens every time yeah. well the halves have traded their second or their third round pick for a third round next year you only have so many you only, you only have so many picks you can sign at one time right so yep. you know the draft is in Montreal in 2022, but I think the fans will be okay with not having a first round pick. If the result is somebody like Jack Eichel, right? Like yeah. it's all like they're trading it for a guy like, I don't know, I, uh, Christian Dvorak or, you know, a, a guy like, I don't want to say like, I'm trying, Ryan gets laughed. Like that's a bad example because he's not who he used to be, but a, a guy like that, right. It's not like you're trading it for uh, Jonathan Taves. Yeah, or look, look, the Toronto traded their first pick for Nick Foligno, right? It's not like you're trading yeah. a pick for that, right? Yeah. Like there you go. It, it, it's 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 a it, it's an opportunity to get a guy who, and, and yes, you're going to have to give more things as well, but it, it's not like you're trading your pick away for for nothing. And, and I think that's a uh, a thing that they have to look at. And I think they, they definitely are looking at it because Montreal's name wouldn't be out there if they weren't looking into it and yeah you can take that for a grain of salt i'm sure every team is looking into jack eichel but montreal is a team that's positioned because they have the need and they have the means and not many and just, teams have both and like hypothetically right if you rewind to that stanley cup final you subtract philippe deno you subtract yes barry Kakanyemi, and you subtract alexander romanov who we assume would be one of the d pieces that they would want and you add a healthy jack eichel does anybody not seriously think that the Habs would have had a better shot? I don't know if they'd win. That Tampa mm-hmm. team was ridiculous, yeah. but I I think they win more than one game. I think they yeah. make that I think they make that a more interesting series. 
I mean, I, I think, like you said, if we get a Jack Eichel out of this, I think the, the Montreal fans, certainly myself, uh, I'm totally okay with them not making a first-round pick next year when the draft's at home. And I think definitely if it's a guy like Jack Eichel, that makes it a lot easier, and especially if they can get back to the you know a deep playoff run and maybe actually win the thing this time, definitely everybody's going to get over the fact that we don't have a first-round uh, first pick real fast. Yeah, and ideally that's a pick that's around the same place they picked this year anyway. Right? Yeah. So, it is an ideal role. That's that's a scenario. It is a strong draft, as we know, mm-hmm. but um, you're not getting Shane Wright, right? I mean, if you had a chance, like if you thought this team, even if this team get Jack Eichel, they're not finishing bad enough to win the lottery. Even if they miss the playoffs, we're going to be back to where we were before, where we're like and, unless they around. get really lucky. But you, look, you, you don't you don't play to win the lottery, right? Like exactly, you you, you don't go into the season being like, oh, I hope we don't do too well. In, yeah. in Montreal's case, if you're a team like, you know, I don't even say Seattle, but if you're a team like Buffalo, as an example, yes, absolutely. You hope you don't do too well, right? Like, because you, you're not expecting to make the playoffs. Montreal's expecting to make the playoffs. You don't sign a guy like David Savard to not make the playoffs. You don't protect Jake Allen in the expansion draft to miss the playoffs. You don't, you don't do these things to miss the playoffs. They're trying to make the playoffs. They're trying to win the game. You don't care about Shane Wright right now. Like that, that's not, that shouldn't be even in, in that. That's a failure if they end up with Shane Wright. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a lucky ending, but it's a failure. And, and I think that this team is in a position where they should think higher. And, and I think, look, I, I, I know that there's not, there might not be that many people here who, who look at baseball like, like I do, but you look at the trade deadline that's happening right now as we talk in baseball. The Toronto Blue Jays are out of playoff spot right now. They just traded their top prospect for a pitcher and it's a younger pitcher who has years of team control, but you, you have to do that to complement the pieces that you have on your team. At a certain point, you have to go for it. And I think that Munchell is in a spot to go for it right now. And whether that's Jack Eichel or whether that's somebody that we're not even thinking of, maybe a guy like Alexander Barkov, maybe, Uh, you know, I'm I'm just throwing names out there, but in, in in a situation like this, they, there's an opportunity you have a guy like Jack Eichel who's out there, who's not happy. You have the means to do it. I, I think that this is the time you have to go for it. And, and Mark Bergman has said a lot of times, sacrificing, he doesn't want to sacrifice the future. He's not going all in. But you know what? At a certain point, you have to, you have to raise, right? If you're at a poker table, certain times when you have a hand and there's a, there's a thing out there that you can try and catch, you have to, you have to raise the bet a little bit. And I think that that's where Montreal is. And Mark Bergevin hasn't really done that yet, really at all in his tenure in Montreal. And I think that that's, you know, now's not the time to hold on to prospects, you know, just, and, and I think it, it's, it, it makes too much sense almost. Like I, I'm, we're, we're here sitting and talking about this and I'm like, it just makes too much sense. And I'm not saying they're doomed if it doesn't happen, but I, I just think that they have to explore it, you know, pending what, Buffalo actually gets for him or, or things like that. But th- there isn't much of a price that Montreal can pay. It's just a, it, for me, it's a matter of whether Buffalo is willing to trade him in division, which is a significant, which is a significant question mark. And the other question is whether Montreal will be willing to pay the price. And I, I don't think that they, they have the means to do it. And it, it'll be interesting to watch as we end up the last, you know, month before training camp. And, and as this drags on, that might help Montreal a little bit. You know, if Buffalo is still, look, look at the Max Pacioretty thing, 
right? We, we, we figured he was going to get traded a draft. He didn't get traded a draft. And it just kind of dra- dragged on and on until the golf tournament. And then, the yeah. next night, night, <laughs> and then one o'clock before the, 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 the camp opens at the golf tournament, uh, he gets traded. So, you know, at a certain point, uh, it's going to drag on. And, and the question is, what will happen? And, you know, as long as, yes, Pericot Kenyemi is not signed as well, I think that's kind of an indicator kind of thing as well. So uh, not that the contract necessarily means he's not going to get traded or, you know, him not being signed means he's going to be traded. Absolutely. But all these things kind of line up a little bit. And, and I, and I think that there, there's something else that's going to happen, whether it's Jack Eichel, he's the name that's out there that we can think of that's realistic or not. But I, I do think something's going to happen in, in the next month. So as I say that we're going to be, you know, on break, uh, I feel like we're going to have something to talk about very soon again. <laughs> at yeah. least oh i hope so it'd be fun at least but uh yeah it'll be definitely definitely fun 100 percent. can't wait yeah it's as much as we talk about needing a break i'm really excited for next season as well so it's it's a double-edged sword once again because now we have to wait and and you know that's what they say though, the waiting is the hardest part uh matt thank you so much for joining me thank you all for listening and uh, we'll see you next time on have some fun You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.